For today's guest, heading back to the 18th century is a daily occurrence and a requirement. Karen Timer Brown is the Vice President of Preservation Historic Annapolis, a nonprofit organization tasked with protecting, preserving, and interpreting the history of Maryland's capital city. Founded in 1649, Annapolis remains one of the most authentic and intact colonial towns in all of America. For Karen and her colleagues at Historic Annapolis, it's a full-time job to protect that authenticity from rising tides and pressures to grow. Grab your old bay and get your crab mallet ready. We're headed to Naptown to talk preservation's past and future. From Preservation Maryland Studios in the historic podcast district of Baltimore, this is PreserveCast! This is Nick Redding. You're listening to PreserveCast. Today, we are joined by Karen Timer-Brown, who is the Vice President of Preservation for Historic Annapolis. Prior coming to this position, she worked for the City of Annapolis's Historic Preservation Division in the Department of Planning and Zoning, where she served as staff to the Historic Annapolis Preservation Commission and the Annapolis Heritage Commission. She was the past executive director for the Maryland Association of Historic District Commissions and a historic preservation specialist at the Federal Advisory Council on Historic Preservation. She holds a master's in urban affairs and public policy with a specialization in historic preservation from the University of Delaware, as well as a bachelor's in English from the James Madison University in Virginia. Karen, it is a pleasure to have you with us here today on PreserveCast. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. So you've had this really cool career working in a lot of really interesting places and and obviously specializing and doing a lot of work in Annapolis and in a lot of different functions. Is this something that you knew as like a little girl growing up, I was going to become a historic preservationist where you just sort of like, just this was always something that was going to happen or was it something that sort of surprised you? What was your path to preservation? Yeah, I think um, it did surprise me uh, along the way. I was Born and raised in southwestern Virginia, which, you know, the Shenandoah Valley has that beautiful landscape and great history and great architecture. And then I studied English in undergrad. And I afterwards, I wasn't sure where I wanted my path to take, but I knew I wanted to travel. And so right out of college, I worked as a student conservation association intern at the Grand Canyon and found myself drawn to the stories of the early pioneers and the architecture along the South Rim. And then I went to Anchorage, Alaska, and I had an internship with a nonprofit group uh, working with the SHPO's office to craft a National Register nomination. Um, and it was for a early 20th century engineering cottage that was built as workers' housing, housing for the Alaska Railroad. And I had a few other travel opportunities, which was really a great way to help shape my interest in historic architecture and landscapes. Uh, Then I went to grad school at University of Delaware, and I worked on the Threatened Building Program, documenting historic structures in the Delaware Main Street Program. And after school, I got a great opportunity to work for the Advisory Council, and there I worked on Section 106 and learned about federal agency responsibilities for historic properties that they own and manage. And Primarily, I worked on transportation projects and military projects, but I grew to understand that what might be important to a community and what's worth protecting is not just the traditional architectural marvel, but might be traditional cultural property or a landscape feature or a vernacular building. 
Um, and then a few years after I came to the advisory council, my husband and I bought a small federal era row house in the heart of the Annapolis Historic Landmark District. And then shortly thereafter, I was appointed to serve on the Annapolis Historic Preservation Commission. And I think I've been hooked on Annapolis ever since. I just love the district and love the community. And do you still live in the downtown landmark district? I do not. We outgrew our home, unfortunately, but I live live quite close to the district. And I also have an opportunity to work in the historic district through um, working at Historic Annapolis. My office is in the Peca House. Yeah. And so let's get into all that. So now you're at Historic Annapolis. You obviously you worked, I mentioned in your bio that you worked within city government in Historic, you know, in, in Annapolis working on preservation. And you've jumped over to the nonprofit sector um, where yes. you now are the yes. vice president of preservation for Historic Annapolis. Um, maybe to set the stage before we even jump into Historic Annapolis, for someone who listening has never been to Annapolis, Give us the, you know, the one minute nutshell. What is Annapolis? Why does it matter? Um, and what would you see when you when you when you came to Annapolis for the first time? Well, Annapolis is um, a really lovely historic landmark district. It's small. It's the city of Annapolis is only actually seven miles, but the historic district has about fourteen hundred properties. and it touts four different centuries of arch or three centuries of architecture. You have, an, a large assortment of 18th century masonry buildings all the way up to the end of the period of significance for the historic district, which is up to 1942. Um, it is um, a wonderfully intact historic village um, right on the Chesapeake Bay. And um, the center part of the historic district is the city dock area. Um, it has beautiful views up and to and from the water up to Main Street. It's a... Um, a Baroque city plan. You've got um, these domes and spires that help identify or are characteristic of that landscape. Um, it has a, just this wonderful topography where you have the State House and St. Anne's Church up on the two city, the circles, and almost like the Baroque plan is like spokes off of a wheel that um, where the streets radiate from those two focal points. Yeah, it is. It really is a stunning place, and every time you go, you go to it. At least for me, it just you always see something different, even though it's so small. Yes. It seems like you just catch different things. I don't know if you still catch different things having lived there and worked in it, but you know, it is a place that is that is very special. I mean, there's just something that resonates when you go there. Absolutely, absolutely. And we talk about the peekaboo views that you know some of the other spaces in between. It's not just those architectural focal points, but the little, um, the small little alleyways and some of the vernacular buildings that help contribute to that overall sense of, of place. Yeah. Or catching a view of the state house capital, you know, the dome from a little alleyway or something like that. Um, you know, yeah. we're, we're really painting a picture here for someone who hasn't been to Annapolis that they, they're going to want to go. And that's a good thing, I guess. Absolutely. So I think so too. So, so that's Annapolis. What is historic Annapolis? What kind of nonprofit is this? How long has it been around? What does it do? You know, what should people know about Historic Annapolis? Sure. Well, um, Historic Annapolis is the leading preservation and history organization in Annapolis. We were established in 1952. Um, Our mission is to preserve and protect historic places and stories in Annapolis, but also to provide opportunities for people to connect with our history. So we serve as an advocate, as an educator, and as a steward. 
Uh, most people associate historic Annapolis with the William Peca House, um, which is a period furnished historic house museum, five part Palladian Georgian mansion. Um, another one of our signature properties is the James Bryce House, which is just stunning. And it's a highly significant historic property, also a Georgian mansion. Um, I believe Lewis Construction had spoken about this building on an earlier podcast. Uh, but we're actually responsible for 13 buildings, um, most of which are historic. 11 of these properties are state-owned. Uh, we own two properties outright, a building at 99 Main, which we operate as a museum and a store. And then a recent acquisition is called the Sands House. This is a very old and precious building located in the heart of the historic district about a block away from City Dock. And your work at Historic Annapolis is to, you're actually the vice president of preservation. So that means that at the end of the day, you're responsible for making sure these things are still standing. Is that pretty much it in a nutshell? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So um, in the preservation division, we, we do have a variety of responsibilities, but foremost is that um, the desire to, to keep them standing. And um, <laughs> it's funny, my, my boss, Robert Clark, who's the president and CEO of HA often reminds us that old buildings are like horses. They eat every day. And, um, and that certainly holds true. We just finalized a master maintenance plan to address the many needs of our buildings. And what this does is it sets out a roadmap for how we care for those buildings in accordance with the Secretary of Interior standards for the treatment of historic buildings. And it identifies big ticket items where I need to find additional funding, either through grants or or other sources. So it's really that sound property management and stewardship that's very important. And every day is different. I um, We had some issues just this week with some um, plumbing and some mechanical systems over at the Peca House. So um, again, it's just this ongoing need to be a responsible steward for these properties entrusted to us. Yeah, it's some good job security. I mean, it seems like something is... <laughs> There's, there's, there doesn't seem like there's probably ever a dull day. I mean, you know, you mentioned plumbing, that kind of stuff. I mean, what on a day-to-day -day basis does the vice president of preservation do? What are you actually overseeing? Um, you know, what, what's after this PreserveCast interview, what are you going to dive into today? <laughs> well, I'm very grateful. I have a wonderful facility manager, um, Joe Kachuk, who helps me with a lot of the day-to-day -day responsibilities with these buildings. But it, the projects really vary. Some, some are large scale, some are ongoing maintenance needs, but some of them might be a discrete project like a um, porch um, uh, reconstruction or um, some window restoration. And then work. you've got Bryce, which is like a, I don't know what you would describe that, a monumental project. I mean, it's just, you know, we've talked about that a little bit before, so we don't have to go into great detail, but this is a multi-million dollar restoration of a historic structure, um, you know, that... that just requires a lot of thought and planning, I would imagine. Absolutely. And that one is just a completely different animal. And it's um, such an exciting project. It's, it, we're really excited to be affiliated with it. And we've got um, a team of dedicated professionals who are really the best in the field. Everything from Willie Graham, who's the senior architectural conservator, to Jeff at Lewis Construction, to our, our colleagues at Maryland Historical Trust, who have, are help guiding the end-to-end, top-to-bottom, full restoration of that building. And as you, as you mentioned, this, this is a restoration, that they are peeling back the layers and um, preserving 
the 18th century aspects of that building. And um, it has a great deal of original historic fabric. Um, and it's, it's a massive project. So it's a many-year, um, multimillion-dollar effort. So it's not all just preservation work and, and rehab and projects. You also do some education work in your, your role um, and also protecting buildings beyond just your physical footprint. You, you have an easement program and then you have a marker program. You want to talk about both of those? Sure. Yeah, we um, so again, the preservation division is in charge of an easement program. Historic Annapolis holds 51 easements and the vast majority are located within the historic district and our easements vary greatly. Uh, some are our interiors, some protect exterior features and some do both. Some might protect a unique architectural feature or a landscape feature. So we are the project reviewer for whenever there an applicant or a property owner is seeking a change to that building that might affect the easement. And most often this is triggered by either a permit through the city of Annapolis or historic preservation commission approval. And how often are you doing that kind of work? I mean, how often are you reviewing projects like that? You know, it really depends. Um, again, since there's about 50 of them, we do find, you know, it's interesting, it sort of comes in waves. Right now, I have three that I'm reviewing right now. Um, but what's interesting, too, is that there's often an added layer of protection because they are in the historic district that the HPC is also reviewing that. So it complements their review. Complements and complicates. <laughs> <laughs> but fortunately, because they are protected through HPC review, the integrity of the exterior of a lot of these properties um, is quite sound and hasn't been compromised. Right. We did recently acquire an easement for a property outside the historic district. It was a sensitive developer, um, Chris Underwood with Underwood Construction, um, acquired a 18th century property called Primrose Hill. And because it's outside the historic district and didn't have that protection, we worked closely with him and Mike Burlball from Elm Street Development to identify what are those significant architectural features that should be um, protected in perpetuity. And so we've been working closely with them on that easement, both interior and exterior features. So I also mentioned the, and, and I know that this is a, sort of a, been a signature program for the organization for a long time, the marker program. What is the marker yeah. program? Maybe someone listening around the country is in a local preservation group thinking about doing something like this. How does yours work? What have you learned? Any advice? What's it all about? Sure. Um, well, this is one of our oldest signature programs. It's been around for almost 50 years. And what this does is it recognizes um, it's, it's, the intention or the purpose is to encourage good stewardship and preservation efforts in the historic district. And so an app, a property owner can apply to participate in the marker program. And we confirm that it's a good representative sample of a particular architectural style. We have six different color-coded um, markers in the historic district ranging from Georgian 18th century to what we call um, the Annapolis vernacular, sort of a catch-all for those early 20th century vernacular buildings. Again, they're color-coded, they're um, cast in aluminum, hand-painted with a gilded edge, and then we include a customized brass inset that tells you just a little bit about the building, usually the data construction and if there's anything significant, someone who had lived there or had constructed the property. We now have about 300 of them in the historic district. 
And we also have a historic brochure that serves as like a nice little architectural primer and a brief tour of some of the noteworthy buildings in our um, marker collection. So it's a really fun project. It's a great way to get to know people in the community and to learn about what they love about their historic homes. And you also do a lot of education work at Historic Annapolis. I know not all of that falls under your purview, but just to give people an idea of sort of the breadth of your programming, um, what are some of the big education programs that you guys work on? Sure. Um, Well, HA is a membership-based organization. And a few years back, we restructured our membership levels and added a premier, what we call a circle level. And we have four circles, preservation, education, family, and garden. And through the preservation division, I manage the preservation circle, which is targeted towards people who either own a historic home or are interested in historic properties. And so I try to develop circle programming around that interest. And we do a couple of things. We do destination trips one or two times a year. And we work with partnering organizations to secure either behind the scenes access or curator led events. And over the past few years, we've taken trips to Colonial Williamsburg or Winterthur, Mount Vernon and Georgetown. We've got one planned this um, September going to the Latou Topiary Gardens. This is going to be a preservation and garden circle program. We also host educational programs such as ones we've done in the past couple of years, uh, researching your historic home, historic homeowner tax credits was another one we did. Uh, this past May, I hosted a masonry workshop with Drake Whitty, who is a master mason who's worked in the historic district for over 30 years. And that was a lot of fun. We talked about proper mortar mixes and composition and how you work with historic fabric um, and mortar that is appropriate for the age and composition of the masonry. Another thing that Robert says is people like to be with people who like what they like. And and so what we try to do through these circle programming events is to um, establish sort of a camaraderie or a community of people with a shared interest. Um, We also have a number of other broader education programs outside my my department, everything from Mr. Pekka's Backyard, which is preschool programs, to um, HA Tuesdays, which is geared towards sort of a happy hour um, where you've got some fun activities either in the house or the garden. Yeah, it really is just sort of a really energetic and, and lively organization. And I know Robert has been there for a few years and really has breathed a lot of life into, into the organization, um, which is exciting. And, and But beyond education and preservation, there's also the advocacy component and yes. um, some big advocacy issues um, in Annapolis. Um, we've done a podcast recently, talked a little bit about the fact that Annapolis was listed by the National Trust for Historic Preservation as one of the most endangered historic places in America. What, I mean, we've talked about that before, but love to get your input on that and, and hear it from you as well, living and breathing this. What prompted that? What's the concern? Sure. Well, again, another important part our job and as our role at Historic Annapolis is HPC, Historic Preservation Commission Review and Advocacy. And and one, we believe that HA exists for the public's interest. And one way we can demonstrate that interest is by providing testimony at public hearings when there's a project that is a particularly important or perhaps controversial. And I and I personally think having served on the 
commission and having staffed in the commission in the past that it's good for the commission to hear from others who have concerns or an interest in preservation matters independent from the staff or property owners, um, which, which leads us to city dock. And in this particular case, we're advocating for historic preservation based city planning and following the announcement of being designated as an endangered site, we assembled an internal team to identify next steps about how best to respond to this designation. And um, the, what was the driver for this is the potential rezoning of a portion of city dock that would lift the heightened bulk restrictions um, that so clearly define that landscape and protect the view sheds and provide that small uh, pedestrian oriented oriented scale that so clearly defines Annapolis. And so um, we're very grateful for our partners at PM who immediately assisted following that designation with posting a petition that folks can sign to demonstrate their opposition to the possible rezoning. But the next step, we're also working with the Urban Land Institute to assemble a technical assistance panel to help us craft out a, a roadmap for how to move forward with redevelopment. Yeah, and it's a story that we've heard time and again. I mean, you know, the past few interviews, we've talked to some cities that have been sort of loved to death by tourists. So we've we've talked to New Orleans, we've talked to Savannah, um, and the story is the same over and over again, that people love these places and the authenticity so much that they want to cram more visitor amenities there. And it's the sort of this, this strange situation. And Annapolis is so small that those kinds of impacts, you know, in Savannah, um, where, you know, it's slightly larger, not a huge place, but, you know, you might not feel it right away. But in Annapolis, for those who haven't visited, I mean, this kind of impact could have a devastating um, result on the on the authenticity of the historic district, which is funny because, not funny, I guess it's ironic, because the very thing that drives people to Annapolis, the authenticity of that place is the very thing that could be offset by this. It's 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 a strange dualism. It is, and and you know it's incredibly complex because it's not just about maintaining that sense of human scale and uh, that historic village-like setting, but it also is protection of view sheds. It's addressing the ongoing flooding and. Um, sea level rise and tidal surges that we see on a very regular basis in that part of the historic district. It's also economic development, what is viable in that area. And then there's transportation implications about as we look forward at the uh, advances of uh, autonomous vehicles and other transportation related technology, um, what type of transportation infrastructure should be factored into that redevelopment? So again, it is quite yeah, complicated. it's complicated, and it's also interesting. I think a lot of people, perhaps not our listeners, but some people think of preservation as sort of you know the stodgy thing where we're saving old buildings and restoring things, and 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 there's of course there's still a piece of that, but also the kind of questions that you're getting into of autonomous vehicles and and transportation and sea level rise, and these are all critical issues that you're having to deal with at historic Annapolis and and in the city of Annapolis. I think it really kind of drives home the fact that preservation is sort of at the heart of sort of the the future of these places and figuring out how best to to use these places. It's it's an interesting place. Well, and what we also want is is to 
really provide an opportunity for a forum for community engagement and to give the community an opportunity to share what they value and to have a role in shaping future land use decisions. And in particularly, that's important in this case because there is uh, some public lands that are included in that area and also state lands. So what we're hoping to do through this ULI technical assistance panel and as we move forward is to provide a forum for community dialogue and um, to have all, adequate stakeholder involvement. So um, we can make sure that what people value and what characteristics that define Annapolis are retained. Well, it sounds like you've got your work cut out for you. Um, As I said before, good job security. Doesn't seem like there's a lack of issues to deal with. Um, So that's a positive. Um, If people want to learn more about historic Annapolis, they're planning a trip to Annapolis and they want to see what kind of things that you have to offer or how to visit the Peca House and your other sites Um, Where can they find that information, Karen? Best thing would be to go to our website, which is www.annapolis.org. And on the upper left-hand corner is a a big red button that says Protect City Dock. And it talks a little bit more in depth about um, the 11 most endangered designation and um, where we're going from here and how people can get involved. Um, but it also tells you you've got our calendar of events. It talks about the variety of properties that we manage on behalf of the state. So um, that's that's a great jumping off point. Yeah, and if people are thinking start. about taking a trip, fall is a fantastic time. Wouldn't always recommend August, a little sultry uh, this time of the year. But but <laughs> but uh, October in Annapolis, nothing is better. Yeah, it's stunning. Absolutely. Um, Before we part ways here, we're going to ask you the most difficult question, which is your favorite historic site or building. (laughs) Which is like asking, which is your favorite? That's the next question. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, Well, I um, I've given this a little thought and I've decided to go big. Um, And I am choosing a city as my favorite historic place, which is Bath, England. Um, My family and I had the good fortune to live there um, for just about six months several years ago, and it is really breathtakingly beautiful, has wonderful architectural focal points like the Roman Baths and the Bath Abbey or the Royal Crescent, Um, but it's also the harmony that exists because of all the buildings are constructed out of the local indigenous honey-colored limestone and the sun just reflects off the facades and it is just an absolutely breathtakingly beautiful place and i must see so that's my well i think that's a good answer um and uh appreciate the thought you've put into it difficult question but good answer yeah yeah it is a hard question (laughs) it's been a pleasure talking with you um, thanks for all the great work that you're doing in Annapolis. Nice to know someone like you is on the job and um, taking care of that precious resource that is historic Annapolis. Um, and, and good luck with all the work ahead of you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, and thank you to Preservation Maryland for all your support and your partnership in this endangered designation and how we respond to that. All right. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to PreserveCast. To dig deeper into this episode's show, notes, and all previous episodes, visit PreserveCast.org. You can also find us online at Facebook and Twitter at PreserveCast. 
This program was supported by the Historic Preservation Education Foundation. PreserveCast is produced by Preservation Maryland in Baltimore City. Thanks again for your support, and remember to keep preserving.